When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. As one Michigan State career begins, two others come to a successful end. Congratulations to Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman on their selections in the second round of the 2020 NBA Draft on Wednesday night. We will elaborate on that and more, including Michigan State football's unforeseen bye week coming up this week, on episode 11 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. I'm Brandon Champion, joined by MLive Michigan State beat reporters Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel on Thursday, November 19th, 2020. Kyle, Matt, thanks for joining me as always. And and Matt, let's get right to the breaking news. This came down a couple hours ago this morning. Uh, Maryland has canceled its football game with Michigan State scheduled for Saturday due to issues uh, with COVID-19 and contact tracing and everything else we get to deal with in the fun uh, year that is 2020. We kind of expected this. We got the news last week when we were recording that the Maryland-Ohio State game was canceled. Um, we thought maybe that could mean no game for the Spartans this week, and and that's now confirmed as my dog shakes his collar in the background. Uh, but, Matt, what, what went into this decision? Uh, I mean, really, if you look at it, there was a decision that was taken out of Maryland's hands based on the uh, protocols put in forth by the, the Big Ten, like you mentioned. Last week, they they paused activities. Um, last Wednesday, they had had eight players who had tested positive within the seven day, within the past seven days. They didn't announce whether any staff members had tested positive. They had not returned to practice. So even you know even when when they announced Wednesday that they still hadn't practiced yet, you, you know you had the idea this was coming that it was unlikely they would be able to play. And then this morning they announced that um, over the last seven days, 15 players and seven, um, staff members, um, including head coach, Michael Oxley have tested positive in the last week. So they have a population positivity rate of 14.9% for the team, which is basically double what the threshold is for the big 10 to, to force, to be forced to shut down for a week. So, um, you know, that that's it. <laughs> they just, there's the game is, there was no way they were going to be able to play. So it's unfortunate, but again, not a surprise. Um, both with when Maryland postponed last week, you know, you kind of had the sense because Wisconsin was the other Big Ten team that had done it. They had to cancel two games. So you kind of guessed that this was where it was headed. But overall this season, uh, I think the easiest prediction, uh, most the prediction I had the most faith in making for the season was that Michigan State would not play all of its games. 
Yeah, well, and that's come to fruition now. I mean, it became pretty clear once it was stretching into Wednesday and Thursday of this week and Maryland hadn't practiced in more than a week that there was just no way this game was going to happen. Um, so, you know, unfortunate for for Michigan State and Maryland. I mean, I'm sure the kids want to get out there and play. Uh, Michigan State fans might uh, welcome a brief break from uh, what has turned out to be somewhat of a tumultuous and you know, partly expected tough season for Michigan State, but uh, I think the Michigan win kind of gave Spartan fans a little bit of false hope. Um, but they'll get a break from it this week. Uh, who's on the schedule next week for Michigan State, Matt? Do you know? Uh, yes, yeah, so it's, it'll be Northwestern will be the next game if it is played. So that's uh, next Saturday. We still don't have a kickoff time announced. That should come either Saturday night or Sunday morning. Um, crossing my fingers for another noon game because that's what we all like, at least those who have to work it. Um so, and again, you know, that's going to be, you know, when, before the season started, that was a game where you thought that looks like a winnable game. Um, probably obviously less so now Northwestern's four and oh, they're looking good. So um, yeah, that won't be easy. And then, then they host Ohio state. So um, they, they get, they get an extra week to prepare for, or some extra time, I should say, to prepare for, for Northwestern, but that'll be tough. <laughs> A beat reporter's best friend, the noon games is a little inside baseball for you there. Uh, when it comes, <laughs> you guys have been lucky this year so far. We It seemed for a while there that Michigan State was just constantly playing night games when they were back in demand, you know. I think uh, it was noon, the noon, noon. <laughs> I think it was the 18 season where it was like, man, it was like the first three or four or something. It was, yeah, it was they opened at <laughs> night on like a Friday. Then it was, it was just a string of them that's. You know, when you're working till six and five or six in the morning, that's just not something you want to do. So this is the 15th game canceled or postponed across the college football landscape this week. And it's uh, only Thursday. So that number could go up a little bit further. Uh, Kyle, it seems like it's becoming more and more of an issue the last few weeks with COVID. I mean, are you, are you surprised by all these cancellations? No, I mean, I, I, I honestly look at what, what's happening around the country and, and expect college football to follow suit at this point. And I think that's what we're, we're seeing happen. Um, I don't think it's anything college football is doing wrong. Um, I just think that they took this gamble. And um, as, um, as cases have gone up around the country, so have cases on college uh, campuses and on college football teams and cancellations have gone up. So I, um, I, the bad news is I don't, I don't see this trend reversing. Um, it, in time for this college football season, uh, given the way the weather is going to be, the way the trends are, and, and unfortunately for basketball, which we'll get into later before we finish football, but um, I, I don't see it pretending very well for basketball either. Yeah, if you think it's chaos with, you know, the 100 or so football teams, just wait till there's 350-some Division One college basketball teams trying to schedule games. You know, I, I'm going to shed a tear when Canisius and Marist are canceled on a Tuesday in December. I'm going to be real upset about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be chaotic. We knew that coming into the season. Um, you know, a lot of people predicted this sort of fall wave to occur, and it's definitely having an effect on what's going on on the field. Uh, as Kyle said, we'll get into basketball and what happened with the NBA draft last night or on Wednesday night, I should say, uh, a little bit later. But briefly, let's look back. I mean, it's Thursday. Michigan State lost to Indiana uh, 24 to nothing last Saturday at Spartan Stadium. Pretty much a good old-fashioned butt-kicking. That's at least two in a row uh, for for Michigan State. And, uh, you know, not what Mel Tucker wanted to see. Uh, he was quite animated after the game, right, and this week in, in meetings with you guys? Yeah, I mean, he obviously wasn't wasn't pleased with the result. I mean, you know, you follow up a 49-7 loss with a 24 to nothing loss. And, yeah, I mean, there's reason to be upset. And, you know, he keeps talking about 
needing to play complementary football and, and execution and, and Michigan State just you know there's it's, it's just not giving themselves a chance to win um, the turnovers the penalties like Mel talks about um, if you're going to continue to 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 cough the ball up and not gen- and, and you know quite frankly not generate enough turn uh, turnovers on your own that's just you know it's losing football and you have Poor quarterback play uh, from from Rocky Lombardi for the second week in a row, and he gets benched for Peyton Thorne. Michigan State can't run the ball at all. Um, and then defensively, you gave up um, four, 325 yards in the first half. Now, granted, part of that is, you know, when when the offense keeps turning over the ball, then you get, you know, bad field position. I think Indiana's average starting point was the 47-yard line, and Michigan State's was the 20. So, uh, you know, that's just – Stuff they got to clean up, and and it's kind of the same problems every week for the most part. Michigan State outgained 433 yards to 191, just 60 yards rushing on the ground. That's two and a half yards for two and a half yards per rush. Four more turnovers. Time of possession was 39 to 20. I mean, a lot of this damage was done in the first half when the game was out of reach. I mean, just not a winning brand of football. Uh, Mel's correct to be upset about it. Um, so, but I mean, I, w- I do want to talk about this game a little bit more in depth. You mentioned Peyton Thorne. He, he made his, got his first significant action, uh, replacing Rocky Lombardi, who was just, just terrible. I mean, those interceptions were, I don't know what he's doing, what he's looking at. He doesn't have a lot of help from his offensive line. It's the same issues Lowerke was dealing with last year, but he, Mel Tucker had no choice, but to make a change at quarterback. Peyton Thorne comes out, has the long run down the first play uh, from scrimmage. He ends up 10 for 20 for 110 yards and the interception. Um, so so nothing special, but I think from Spartan fans' perspective, we were at least excited to see someone else get in there because Rocky just had not been cutting it through the Iowa game and then at the start of this one. Yeah, I mean, he just I, – I don't know. He just doesn't look anything like the quarterback he was the first two weeks. Um you know, he, you know, I thought he was fine the first week against Rutgers. He had, you know, a couple of picks. Same. One was, one was desperation heave late. One was a miscommunication. Um, and then Michigan game, he was really good. And then Iowa not. And then last week, you know, just, yeah, like, I mean, at that point you have no choice but to, but to pull him because he's not giving you any sort of chance to win. And I don't know if he's dealing with an injury of some sort. They haven't indicated that, but he just doesn't look like the same quarterback. And with, with Peyton Thorne, you know, this is, it was interesting to see him get in there. Um, you know, you had known we had known really since basically the first game of the season that he was the backup. You can tell in pregame warmups who's in line taking snaps from which center, um, what the pecking order is. And I thought he looked okay. You know, he also looked like a you know a, you know guy playing his second college game and who had only taken uh, four snaps uh, for Michigan State prior to this. So you know the the zone read he had on the on the first run was was nice. It reminded me a little bit of Brian Lewerke. Um, as far as his mobility. Um, and then, you know, I thought he, uh, at times, you know, he, there were a couple of times he showed good boys, like, you know, feel escaping pressure in the pocket, making a couple throws. Um, a couple of times he looked like he was too quick to try and run. Um, but all things you expect in, in um, a first game for, or really a first game for him uh, when, you, when you're making the leap from, uh, from high school and you're only a retro freshman. Yeah, the the one throw in the fourth quarter where he sort of rolled out of the pocket and then hit Jaden Reed on the sideline that that was 
I, I thought that was a little bit of a flash right there. I mean, just you could see his mobility. It was an accurate throw on the run, um, you know, with this team and the, the sketchy play on the offensive line. I mean, he was he was under pressure the whole game. Um, so, I mean, it, I, I was impressed by that. Of course, I think like two plays later, or maybe it was the next play is when he dropped back and the pass sailed on him and it was intercepted. So, I mean, <laughs> you kind of expect that with an, with an up and down performance from a young quarterback. Um, but do you, has Mel, he probably, I, he doesn't seem to be giving you guys much. He, I assume since we don't even have a game this week, he didn't even mention who was going to start at quarterback, but it seems like Peyton Thorne should get the, get the start. I think that's what most people want. Has he given any sort of hints uh, in that front? No, I mean, he said that it'll be a competition that plays out during practice, um, you know, and they'll, and they'll evaluate it just like every other spot. So, no, he's not tipping his hand. And to be honest, I wouldn't see I wouldn't be surprised if, if Lombardi gets the start in the next game um, because he is he, he won the job in fall camp. So, you know, obviously he won it for a reason. Um, and I think they might be a little hesitant to cut bait so quickly um, with with a redshirt junior, a veteran, a guy who's leader on the team. I think may, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets another start um, and that, but if it, you know, if it goes like it had been going the previous two games, you know, you put Thorne in there and then maybe, maybe you make that decision, make that more of a change uh, after the fact. I wonder with, with Rocky, how much of this is just mental, you know, it seems like he makes a mistake um, and he tries to get it all back on the next throw. You know what I mean? Um, like, like he does something wrong and then he tries to, you know, make up for it by threading it into some narrow window. And if it, it, it just seemed like if he could take a deep breath and take a step back a little bit and take everything one play at a time, I know that's easier for me to say than to do when you're out there, but, um, it, <laughs> yeah. it just seems like a lot of it is just, you know, um, like if he could just, you know, relax a little bit and, and, um, and eliminate uh, two or three of these bad mistakes per game, uh, he could be giving them a chance again. Um, it seems like it seems like he's fixable at this point. I, you I wouldn't try and relax that. when when four you know three hundred pound Indiana Hoosiers are just running through the offensive line right at right at your face. I mean, I, I guess so. But I, I thought there were times where he was just throwing the double coverage for no reason too. No, there was. I'm not going to sit here and defend Rocky Lombardi. If, be, if it was basketball, I would be calling it hero ball. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. it's um, I, I I don't think it's time to give up on him yet. Uh, I know people will probably freak out if he starts on Saturday, but. Um, I, I think he, I think he deserves a little bit, uh, a little bit more um, chance before we completely make a change here. Yeah, and and also I wonder, based on the offense, how much it would change if you do have to go to to Thorn because he, you know, he is more mobile. You can do a few more things with him, but I think we've it's been pretty clear what the strength of Michigan State's offense was at least at a couple points this season. It was attacking vertically, but the weapons they have now, obviously, you're. Who you play each week will will depend on whether you think you have the right matchups out there. But that's the best thing they've done offensively. And Lombardi has the strongest arm on the team. Um, I don't know if Peyton Thorne is capable of of making those same throws at this point in time, or if the coaching staff is confident in in doing that and how much they change the game plan. Um, because they did not go up top and attack with with Thorne like they had previously with with Lombardi. Um, so yeah, I, that's I think that's another thing they have to consider. How much credit should we be giving the defense for holding Indiana scoreless in the second half? I mean, Shakur Brown had had the two interceptions. He did allow the long touchdown to Freifogel down the sideline where he kind of took a bad angle. I mean, Indiana has some tough, tough receivers to try and cover out there. I thought Dominique Long flashed a little bit uh, playing out there. 
Um, so, so how much, I mean, the, the second half seemed like Indiana, I mean, the game was over. It, they seemed like they kind of were just playing it out. But were there yeah. some positives on defense? Well, I mean, you got to remember this is a team with without three starters in the secondary. So, um, you know, and you were already going to be challenged with, with the Penix, Freifogel, and um, Wap Filor, if I can never pronounce that correctly. <laughs> Filor, whatever. whatever. Uh, he was a little quiet on Saturday, but, uh, um, you know, th- so they were already at a disadvantage there. And I, you know, and I, Indiana, I think had, they have two turnovers on downs deep in Michigan state territory. I think maybe if I remember right, Saturday seems like a long time ago, but, um, yeah, I mean, and the defense held them to just barely a hundred yards in the second half, no points. Um, so yeah, give them a little credit for that. Cause they easily could have folded and it could have been, you know, 50 to nothing. All right, and we're going to move on to basketball here in a second, but just a couple other things to clean up on. I mean, obviously, this isn't a good performance for Michigan State. They'll have two weeks to sort of clean that up and get ready for Northwestern. Um, But just uh, Anthony Williams was in the game. He fumbled for Michigan State. I don't know why he was in the game, Um, but now he's not even going to be part of the program. There's been some some roster movement, right? Uh, Yeah, so we had two guys enter the portal this week. Uh, The first is um, Marcel Lewis, redshirt freshman linebacker. Um, he is a guy who had initially opted out this season back in August, I believe, due to COVID concerns, um, opted back in. He did not play the first four games, and he is now in the portal. Uh, and then Anthony Williams is the second guy. That was uh, yesterday, I think, uh, Wednesday, I believe. Um, so, you know, I think you know Williams is a significant one because he, he played 12 games last year as a true freshman. And, you know, I think the only reason he missed the – the one game was because of pink eye, if I remember that right. But, you know, he showed at times that he, you know, he was capable of, of being a weapon. He was, I don't know that he really fit so much in the running back role. He's more of like a, you know, a guy in space. Um, you know, we think we saw some of that in the pinstripe bowl. Um, but, you know, bottom line, I mean, I don't know. The, you know, he tweeted about it today and, you know, long talks, tough decision, you know, kind of thing. But, you know, when you look at the running back room, this was, you had the feeling this was coming since last year because Elijah Collins took over as a starter last year, and then you play both Anthony Williams and Brandon Wright and burn the red shirt. So you got three, you come into this season with three sophomores. Connor Hayward comes back, and now Jordan Simmons is, is your leading rusher as a true freshman. So, you know, you got five guys back there. There's only so many carries. Um, sooner or later, if somebody realizes they want more playing time, then it'll it'll have to come somewhere else. So, um, and, 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 Mel Tucker had some pretty strong words on Tuesday. Um, you know, he talked about, you know, the challenge in building a program in the first year, you know, how it's culture and, and hammering that. And, um, you know, he, he was very clear that what he, he has guys that are bought in that, you know, this team is motivated and all that. Um, but if there is a problem with motivation, that's not even an issue. You can just see yourself out. You won't be part of the team. You'll just be gone. Um, and, you know, and he had said, basically, you know, you can expect some roster changes based on the portal or otherwise, just because that's that's what's going to happen. So um, it was it was somewhat surprising that and I know there's the covid you know complications. But since Mel took over, um, there had been no guys that were on the active roster who had entered the portal up until this week. Um, but I think you would be you would expect to see some um, in the near future, some more ones, just because I think that's natural at any program, any year, um, and then especially when you have a coaching change. 
that was to me the most interesting thing I've heard Mel Tucker say since he's been here. Um, really, just kind of laying down the law like that and, and speaking to his point. I thought he was pretty clearly speaking to his team through us um, and saying that yes. just the just the if you don't want to be here, there's the door, there's the portal, um, and not not something you hear out of every coach. I don't think that's something we ever really heard out of Mark D'Antonio. Um, but you know, he talked a lot too about. Um, how important culture is um, when you're starting a new program. And, and, you know, when you're losing and and not playing well, I mean, that's kind of when you have to establish your culture and make sure you have the right guys. And and he is being pretty clear um, about um, making sure he has the right guys here. So uh, that was a pretty notable comment to me. I I absolutely loved it. I love fired up Mel Tucker. He, he, the guy means business. I mean, that's clear. I mean, from a fan standpoint, I mean, he's confident in his ability to recruit. I mean, you mentioned the running back room, you know, you got Audrey Keston, four star coming in next year. Uh, I think Davion Prim, the Oak Park kid is a three star kid. So, I mean, the the running back room's just going to keep getting more deep. And I think he's confident in his ability to recruit and get guys in the program that want to be at Michigan state. So makes sense to me that he would say if you're not bought in then you can just find somewhere else to play so um anyways let's let's move on let's wrap up football uh for this week and we're gonna move on to some basketball some nba talk uh right after this quick break all right we're back here on m live spartan confidential podcast brandon champion with kyle austin and matt wenzel uh, let's shift to the hardwood. Basketball season is coming uh, up quick. This time next year, we will have college basketball games being played and also college basketball games being canceled. Uh, but Kyle, uh, the NBA draft was last night. Michigan State had two players that expected to hear their names called in Xavier Tillman and Cassius Winston. Xavier Tillman gets drafted in the second round, 35th overall to the Grizzlies. Cassius Winston had to wait a little bit longer uh, to goes uh, to the Washington Wizards with the 52nd pick. Um, so obviously a huge night for both of those guys. I, I'm, I'm really happy for them from my perspective. But uh, um, Kyle, what, what are sort of some of your takeaways from the NBA draft is from a Michigan State standpoint? Uh, yeah, you know, overall a solid night. I mean, I think. Both of those guys were hoping to sneak up into the first round. I mean, as every player in the draft is hoping to do. But, I mean, um, maybe a little bit lower than both of them um, had hoped to go. But nothing nothing catastrophic or anything like that. I mean, Tillman was kind of right on that first-round cusp, goes with the fifth pick in the second round. Um, obviously, he's thrilled to be going to Memphis because Jaron Jackson is there. Uh, Jaron Jackson, you know, good friend, best man in his wedding, played AU together. So, so having that reunion, um, I think that's a co- very cool thing for him. Um, and then Cassius Winston, you know, I, I can't say I was shocked to see him go, um, all the way down to, I think it was 53, uh, just cause it, it seems like when the rubber hits the road on draft night for these GMs, uh, they kind of seem to fall back on athleticism, you know, mm-hmm. and I jump out of the gym and guys like Cassius who do everything except that, um, seem to just kind of fall. Um, and we've seen that happen with some other guys too. So I, I can't say I was shocked, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, he does get picked. Um, and you know, he, he was thrilled about it. We talked to him, you know, this is Thursday. We talked to him Thursday morning and he talked about, Hey, you know, I, people have said these things about me my whole career going back to high school. Is he athletic enough? Can he defend? Um, is he big enough? Is he strong enough? Uh, and he, he you know, he's pretty clear. He proved it at Michigan state. Um, and he thinks he can prove it at the next level. Um, so we'll see, um, if, if that comes to be, but overall two guys getting drafted, two guys, um, two, um, you know, I don't say this often, gush about guys, but two very, very good, um, good guys to talk to. Guys, I enjoyed covering for three and four years, um, and excited to see what they do at the next level. 
if if you're not gonna gush, I'll gush, man. Cassius, Cassius Winston might be my favorite player ever to come through Michigan State. I mean, and Tillman too, of course. But you know, Cassius just going through the tragedy last year, and then seeing how he handled himself last year, and you know, through the pandemic and just everything going on. I mean, he, he, these kids are just. I mean, they they embody what Michigan State's program has been built on. They embody what it means to be a Spartan. They embody what Tom Izzo wants in his players. And to see them get drafted and have their moment in the sun and, and get a contract that's going to pay them handsomely, um, you know, it, it just made my my heart flutter. I'm, I got to say it, man. It was it was awesome to see happen. And uh, yeah, you, you mentioned the, the you know, Cash is holding him back. He's only six foot. He's not athletic, blah, blah, blah. You, these NBA GMs, man, they are blinded by potential and athleticism. They and it and so many times it doesn't work out. I mean, it wasn't even just cashes. You got Marcus Howard from Marquette wasn't drafted. Mm-hmm. You got Miles Powell from Seton Hall wasn't drafted. Kareem Mane, who thought about coming to Michigan State, some rated as a five star kid. He goes undrafted. I mean, NBA draft spots are are limited, but is scoring not a priority? I mean, these guys filled it up in major college basketball, and they're not one of the sixty best players in the country. I mean, I'm not a professional, but it just seems crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't think anyone's questioning that, that Cassius Winston can shoot and score. Um, uh, I, I think they're questioning whether he's going to be able to to defend anybody and, and whether teams are just going to attack him on that end of the floor. And, um, you know, frankly, you know, if you if you remember back to his freshman year, that's something Tom Izzo asked a lot, too. Um, and um, but, you know, he figured it out um, and, and he became a capable defender. He, he was definitely not a standout defender by his senior year, but he was capable. Um, and I think the biggest thing going for Cassius is that he's smart. He's a smart kid. He's got a very intuitive sense for basketball. And I think he knows how to play within his limitations and, and use things like angles and, um, and anticipate what a guy is going to do. Um, so if you want reason that this is going to work out for Cassius Winston, I think that's it. I think he's got the smarts to, to know what he can and can't do and figure out how to carve out a role within that. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think he uh, could be an ideal backup type guard. Um, at um, at Washington, at least to start his career and get those types of minutes and run the second team. And and, and guys are going to really like playing with him because anybody who played with him at Michigan State can talk about getting the ball exactly where you want it, exactly when you want it, him kind of passing you open like you've done for some things, um, him being so unselfish and always keeping that ball moving, um, looking for you on the break, stuff like that. I mean, he, he's going to be a popular teammate, and that's going to say something. Yeah, I mean, nothing's a sure thing in the NBA, but I mean, Cassius Winston seems like he could be one of those career backup point guards that comes in and gives minutes behind the first guy. I've always called him like Ish Smith with a better jumper. You know, maybe Ish Smith is a little quicker, but, uh, you know, they're similar in stature, similar in size. Ish Smith is more of a driver, crafty guy, but he's good off the pick and roll, just like Cassius is. Uh, I, I think he's he's going to be one of the biggest steals in the in the draft. But of course, I'm a Michigan State slappy, so I would think that. Um, but uh, I'm excited. I'm glad he's getting a shot. We knew he'd end up in a camp somewhere. Um, him and Tillman are both just just great teammates and great guys. And um, I'm going to be really interested to see uh, how their careers play out. Interestingly enough, one other note with the NBA draft is not really related to Michigan State, but there was only four players drafted from the Big Ten, uh, including Xavier Tillman and Cassius Winston. Daniel Turu from Minnesota uh, was also drafted, and as was um, – who was the last one, Kyle? I'm, I'm uh, blanking here. I lost my notes. Well, I'll say something else weird while you're finding it. There were no Kentucky players in the in the lottery. There were no Duke players in the lottery. There were no Kansas players in the lottery. 
Um, this, there, I don't, uh, Cole Anthony Carolina, I think would have been the highest guy as far as from a blue blood, but it was kind of a weird draft. I think in a lot of different ways, a lot of big men went, um, yeah. which surprised me a little bit, a lot of international guys, which it's kind of been going that way, but a lot like Florida state had two guys, including one guy who didn't even start for them going number four. <laughs> um, um, yeah. just kind of a, I mean, it's been a weird year, but it was kind of a weird draft for a weird. Year. That goes back to the GMs being obsessed with talent. It was Jalen yeah. Smith from Maryland went to the sun, right. by the way, he was the first player, first big 10 player drafted. Uh, I also saw Lamar Stevens from Penn state signed wow. a deal with the Cavs and Xavier Simpson from Michigan signed a deal with the Lakers. I'm sure, there, sure there's some other ones out there, but interesting to note that the big 10, uh, didn't have a lot of players drafted. Of course, we know they had NBA ready talent, but all that talent's coming back to the Big Ten this year. You know, whether you look at Aaron Henry at Michigan State, Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn at Minnesota, Luca Garza at Iowa, the Big Ten should be loaded this year as we approach the season. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, um, look at, you know, Michigan State bringing back a lot of key pieces in their fourth um, in the Big Ten. And I think pretty legitimately because I think. Um, I mean, Iowa, uh, bringing back the big 10 player of the year. I like Illinois the most. And I know some people are picking Iowa. I like Illinois. I just think that, that, that Coburn Dosumu, um, um, duo is really good. Um, and, and, you know, I like, I like Minnesota too. Um, I think they're going to be up there. So it, it'll, interesting. it'll be, uh, it, it'll be interesting. Um, uh, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of talent coming back. We'll get into that more as the season progresses, but uh, just one final time, I want to congratulate Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman uh, on graduating to the NBA. Always a good look for the program when you're putting players in the NBA. So uh, moving on to the final thing we're going to cover here today, we finally, finally, Kyle, the week, basically less than a week before the season, we got a full schedule for Michigan State. Uh, the non-conference features, uh, as we talked about, Notre Dame and a trip to Duke and Virginia, Eastern Michigan, Detroit, uh, that would be Detroit Mercy, not the Pistons. Uh, Western Michigan and Oakland round out the non-conference schedule. Uh, and then we got the the big-time Big Ten schedule as well. So what stuck out to you uh, from the schedule release, Kyle? You know, I, I kind of like the schedule, um, even for a non-pandemic year. Uh, I mean, you got your two kind of big marquee games in Duke and Virginia. Um, and then the rest of them, I, I like playing regional and in-state games. I think that's cool for fans. I think it, I think it makes sense. Um, I love Notre Dame being on there, them being kind of the historic Michigan rival, Michigan state rival. I, I get why it doesn't happen every year, but I think it's cool when it can happen. Uh, they're not going to be, they're not supposed to be very good this year. So maybe it's not a great example this year, but in a general yeah, sense, like I like 12th, I think. Yeah. ACC. 12th in the ACC. So it might not be a great game, but I, in the general sense, I like Notre Dame being on there. And then, you know, bringing back Detroit, first time they're on the schedule since 2001, um, playing a lot of in-state schools. Um, you know, I, I thought that given the constraints that they had, they can't go to Orlando and play. They can't go to Maui and play like normal. Um, I thought this was a good way to make the schedule. Um, there's a lot of games on here I'm actually pretty excited for as far as the non-conference. And then for the conference, um, playing on Christmas, uh, I mean, fan, I mean, if people want to watch it on Christmas, that's fine. I don't think it's an awesome thing to do to – to, to college students, but, um, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's all about TV money at this point, I think. So, I, I think they're um, trying to take advantage of that, the windows where, you know, students aren't around and they're just trying to get as many games in as possible. I, I, I get that. I don't think you need Christmas day personally, but, um, yeah, the, um, uh, but, but, you know, the other thing I like is they got Michigan is the finale. Um, and I, you know, that happened two years ago. That was that colossal game at Breslin center when it was top 10 game, 
for a Big Ten title, um, you know, everything on the line. Um, and they said afterwards, like, let's do this every year. And it, I agreed. And, and you can't do it every year because of the TV contracts and how those work out. But they're doing it again two years later. I hope they do it every year that they can um, because it's a ton of fun. I don't think they'll be playing for a Big Ten title necessarily this year. But um, to have that rivalry at Breslin Center on the last day of the year, um, I mean, that's, that should be about as good as it gets. You mentioned the in-state games. Is there a reason we never see Central Michigan versus Michigan State? Because I swear Eastern and Western are always on the schedule, but never the Chippewas, which is a little bit disappointing for someone like me. Yeah, that's a good point. I I don't know. I mean, sometimes there's a, there's you know some personal animosity or something you know behind. I was say, did Kino like do something? No, Tom Izzo back in the not day. That I know of. I mean, I I've heard, I've heard I've heard there. I mean, I don't think. Uh, let's say this. I don't think Detroit being off the schedule for 19 years is a coincidence. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> uh, I do think I do I do think that uh, the, that was intentional. Um, but I don't think I don't think that was the case. I mean, there's so much that goes into this. I mean, you got to have find dates that work. Uh, testing protocols have to work, um, uh, all sorts of different things. So I, I don't think it's anything against Central, not that I've heard of. But, you know, I'm happy to see, um, you know, Eastern, Western, uh, Oakland. I'm glad that worked out. That's a long time one. I'm glad to see Detroit back on there. So it's it's going to be good. I mean, I, w- I wish fans could be there to see it. Um, you know, they always talk about not having big games at home. You got Notre Dame at home this year. Um, but, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be back next year. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting season regardless. I mean, this is this is COVID. We're all going to have to be flexible. Games are going to disappear from the schedule. Hopefully, Michigan State can get at least those big ones in and most of the games on their schedule. Um, it's going to be a moving target, just like everything in 2020. But uh, we will press forward, and we will do the same here on MLive Spartan Confidential. Uh, Kyle, thanks for your insight. Matt, um, what are you going to do with your Saturday? Well, I have about 30 bags of leaves that are uh, trapped between <laughs> the fences in my uh, backyard that have been taunting me for uh, for a couple of weeks now. So uh, that, that'll be pr- that's on the list either tomorrow or, or Saturday. But uh, yeah, real fun. I got b- big plans <laughs> for the weekend. All right. Next week on the podcast, Matt's stories of raking leaves. Uh, We'll get to that next week, but uh, no. Uh, Appreciate you guys, uh, as always, providing some insight. Appreciate everyone else for listening. Uh, Check out our coverage of the draft and the games and everything Michigan State on MLive.com. But until next time, thanks for listening, and go green. Go green.